Good morning. Welcome to Good morning. Yeah. Good morning at eleven AM. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still technically still morning. It truly is. We've got fifty-eight more minutes of morning. So welcome to the Women on Fire Podcast. Episode fifteen. Yeah. Wow, we're collecting them now. We are. We've actually been a little more consistent with this than we have the entire year, past year of our lives. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, and we're finding <laughs> more time in our lives to actually record all the things that we want to talk about. Yeah. Right, even though we already have been talking for an hour. Uh, yes, we have. <laughs> we decided to press record. Finally, yes. <laughs> this is what we want to talk about with you today. We actually have a couple topics. I did actually want to take a moment before we get into our intended topic to kind of update people about SB 893 because our last episode was all about that bill and midwifery and what's going on in Hawaii and um, the efforts. So super quick short to the point update the bill that uh we put forth if you have no idea what i'm talking about go listen to the other episode but it's a bill to preserve midwifery diversity and options in hawaii uh well we had to get a hearing and we rallied up lots of efforts and folks to push for that hearing to happen um however it hasn't and i believe there was a deadline last week if i'm correct there um for a hearing to have been scheduled and since it didn't that means that there's well no longer a chance for it to get a hearing um and that means that that bill's not going to pass through anymore um for lack of better words as they say the bill is dead for now it means that we've got the rest of this year up until the start of the next legislative session next year to work on this so and we had gotten a heads up beforehand that it was not going intended to be scheduled for a hearing which of course made some folks pretty frustrated because there's just been so much work to to craft this and taxpayer dollars and all these things spent to um collect all this information and and make these adjustments. So it's a little disheartening, but at the same time, the person who said they would not schedule the bill for a hearing is interested um, in learning more and recognizes that this is actually quite a controversial situation and that, you know, just because we've passed a law doesn't mean that that controversy is over. Exactly. So yeah, I was a little or a lot heartbroken about it. It's hard. Um, we only have so many years to um, make a difference with this before there's a deadline of when birth attendants are exempt. Um, so for you folks listening, just know that this means keep an eye out or an ear out for updates from us or the Hawaii Home Birth Collective on their page, their Instagram, um, about what to do throughout the year because this doesn't mean that this conversation is going to be silent up until next january absolutely not we have a lot of work to do um, until then so that by the time we're introducing a bill again we've done the groundwork of education and uh, updating people and getting people involved and, and reminding people why this matters and why they should care um, and then by january we're just ready to just go for it and make it happen. Well, and our legislators are now then familiarized and that they know there are people within their districts and beyond, really, this isn't just a Hawaii problem, um, but that, you know, they, we can, instead of feeling, you know, good things take time. <laughs> and that, that's, that's a, not really a cliche, it's, it's really true. And so, you know, this has been in their face for many years and they know it's controversial and I'm pretty sure they knew it wasn't going to just go away, especially seeing that there was a task force built into the law that was passed. So, you know, it is really important that there is urgency in the deadline of 2023, which is 
now only two years away, but there is also like, we have this time. And so instead of it being under the strain of urgency and pressured hearings back to back to back with only 72 hours notice that they're going to be happening, we can take that time to connect with our legislators and from their districts and say, hey, this is, you know, this is the bill that we presented this year. It's very similar to the bill that we presented last year, which was based on the task force recommendations. Here are all the different legislators that are actually in support of this, in addition to um, other folks like the Maui um, Commission or Committee on the Status of Women. And, um, you know, we can get other island commissions involved and let them know, which then they give their recommendations to the state commission. Um, and so there's ways that citizens can continue to stay involved and in their ear in a place of like persistence, but not that desperation urgency. So I think that's something that is um, really prevalent. We don't want this to go silent and we will probably be pinging it throughout, you know, this next year of like, remember, and here's where you can find updates of information and, and our updates will largely either be broadcast through our podcast, or you can also um, always visit um, uh, the organization that is the inclusive organization of midwifery practices here in our Hawaiian islands. And that is HIHBC.org. Exactly. This is always relevant. So I think that's, that's good for now. I could totally dive into a whole episode of, of all this, <laughs> but I think that's a decent update for now. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. And thank you all that get really involved with this and because um, this is right. Women's rights, human rights, um, reproductive justice. Right. Which I'm like, can we get this on the feminist agenda a little more? Okay. All right. I'll just leave it at that. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> women's bodies have remained political for centuries. And, you know, I mean, this is a free country, right? So let's maintain our freedoms. Let's not just roll over and give all of our freedoms to presumed authority. It's Bingo. your body. It's your baby. It's your right. Bingo, bingo. And it is okay for you to not want to persecute that person who's willing to walk through the fire with you yeah and it's okay to not want to practice these freedoms meaning if you're not interested in birthing at home or birthing at home with a traditional midwife or and you probably shouldn't (laughs) absolutely and i support you 100 percent in doing what you got to do for yourself because no one knows what's better for you than you that's up to you to decide for me and all we're saying or maybe i'll just speak for myself but i know you share this it's just just because it's not what you would choose doesn't mean it's a right that you should criminalize or outlaw and not make available for someone else that would choose differently so just because it's different please don't be afraid of it and want to banish it <laughs> let's preserve options uh, for everyone to practice their own freedoms in their own unique different way celebrate diversity <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> that's, that's our song for today celebrate diversity song <laughs> Ah, and we'll be singing that song all year. <laughs> yeah, all anyway. forever. Forever we'll sing that song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> forever. All yes. Right. Okay. So let us roll into our actually intended topic for this podcast, just because I know that's going to be a big one, too, because I feel like it's a ginormous, really cool 
can of worms that I'm really excited to open up. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, let's see if we can get this tongue twister out. It, it's the romanticizing or the romanticization of birth. And, we'll and the optimistic up. realist. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So those are Jamie's brilliant words, the optimistic realist. And we'll come back to that over and over again because that's what it's about. FYI, we looked it up. Romanticization is a legit word. I would've, we would have named the podcast that anyways, even if it wasn't an actual word, but turns out it is grammatically correct. So, <laughs> so it's okay. Um, and maybe a little disclaimer. Um, I don't know that this is, it's not that it's good or bad. It just, it has pros and cons to romanticize birth. Um, and I'm a help hopeless romantic really in general um so i do this all the time but sometimes we got to keep it in check too because well pros and cons so so i guess we should start with what is it what are we even talking about <laughs> what does it mean yeah dive into that one go for it you i mean it means so many things right so <laughs> Yeah, I guess it was kind of a play on, you know, the medicalization of birth, which is a very prevalent conversation, um, uh, rightfully so. So here's a, another thing that happens to birth. It gets romanticized, right? We make it romantic. And, and that's kind of the short of it as far as definitions goes. Like, what is it? It's, yeah, trying to put these, like, glasses on or filters that when you look at birth it's all romantic so <laughs> that's yeah for, you look at videos and they're edited and it shows the mom calm in the pool and the oh the music you know, and the music <laughs> and even the like sometimes the faces look really intense but this background's all soft and it's you know, guy add some sparkle in those pictures. <laughs> yeah. And the sweat that's coming down, you know, the romanticization. And not that it can't be all of that. It can, 100%. Yeah. It's not to say that that isn't something to dare to dream. Right. And I think, at least for me, part of why this came up as something I really wanted to talk about on the podcast was because I've seen it be detrimental and actually be problematic um and but that's not all i'll talk about I'll talk about how it's actually a helpful thing too but it can totally be a double-ended sword right because if you're expecting the youtube video <laughs> you're definitely not gonna get it <laughs> so, yeah because it's yeah. gonna just be your birth not that one <laughs> totally absolutely so uh, romanticizing birth, like I do it, and I think it's actually an important element. So this podcast isn't about trying to say like, don't do it, it you know, don't bring love into birth, because I think that's part of what romanticizing does. It's like bringing more love into birth, which goodness knows we need more love in birth. We need more love in life in general, but birth for, um, you know, the past what 100 years of it being industrialized and becoming completely technocratic and the life has been sucked out of it you know like we need more love we need more humanity involved in it for sure so I'm all for that for sure right it, part of why we are romanticizing and by we I mean like the collective culture of natural birth people perhaps um, is because we have to like reframe birth from the mainstream context of you know like all the horror stories and and or the over dramatization sometimes yeah. or only hinging on the the harder parts totally i mean it's sort of like you get to pe the pendulum swings really hard one way and really hard the other way and then to realize that there's all this variation in between totally the gray zone 
I guess that's which is where most of the world is. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Not just in birth. Yeah. Yeah. So and I also hope to not make it seem like I'm trying to make these polar extremes of, of like the hospital is non-human care and home is beautiful, loving care. Like that's not what I'm trying to do here because you can have anything in any context going on no matter where you are. So it's not just for clarity's sake, folks. I'm not trying to like pin them against us. That's a whole nother podcast too, the us versus them thing, which is not helpful either but focusing on romanticizing birth yeah reframing you know for a few generations now the story has been birth is hard well it's hard but birth sucks (laughs) um it's terrible it's It's the worst pain you'll ever experience and don't be a martyr you should just numb out and totally not connect you don't have to because we have all of this technology Mm-hmm. Right. People coming out of it traumatized more often than not is kind of where we're at. And, you know, people always sharing like horror stories of their births. And and we talk a lot about that of why sometimes that's incredibly inappropriate to be doing, like to share your horror story with a pregnant person. And you know, but at the same time, the reason that those are the prevalent sources because there are so many of them because yeah more often than not people are getting ah these gosh I don't know crappy experiences or just more often than not they're not the loving you know stories so and people need those safe spaces where they can share their stories and work through them and be heard absolutely um But I think that's also why romanticization has become a thing. Like we're trying to reframe like, ooh, like that's not working anymore. Having birth after birth be like traumatizing. Like sometimes things just happen, sure. But not as often as they make it out to be either. Like I've just heard mom say, man, if I could just be a mom without having the birth part, like, oh, yeah, like, uh, it makes me sad to hear, you know, because we know a Absolutely. different way where the birth is the, the um, rite of passage into motherhood that helps shape you and gives you all these tools and wisdoms to use throughout your motherhood journey an initiation that it can be profoundly intense and hard and challenging yes and also uh, an experience for women to find their power and embrace it more than ever and it can be like like whoa that was hard and I freaking did it like I can do things that are hard as fuck (laughs) and now you're ready Right. Well, and also looking at it as other, alongside of other, like either things or challenges that folks have overcome, but even in just everyday, I don't know, like normal stuff, right? Those, the first time you're intimate with somebody ever, right? Like that's hard and challenging and like deciding to make that decision and all these. (laughs) Um, And where that can take you um, when you experience or marathon running or buying a home or like all these different really big transformational rites of passage, you know, um, which we just look at as like just a normal day in the life, right? But we all know that like when you buy that first home or when you birth that first baby or when you have that first partner or when you like these are big these things are big deals absolutely right and they help shape us um help us grow and transform right that's why there's a saying doesn't kill you makes you stronger whatever these the hard challenges experiences um usually are a way for you to come out stronger on the other end at least they're an, an invitation to do so anyways 
So, so, you know, that's, yeah, that's why I do like romanticizing birth. Um, it's a part of it, you know, to see things in this light. So when I think of my future midwifery practice, but also just now working with people um, as an assistant at home or as a doula, whatever, I'm just with pregnant women and supporting them in reframing how they can see birth of like not getting stuck in the fear of it's gonna hurt I don't know if I can do it like sure fine valid thought and also you know here's a different way of looking at the pain at the pain or the intensity or the contractions or whatever you want to call it right reframing matters like each wave is invite you know bringing you closer to your baby is inviting you deeper into your power deeper into the journey that it is a rite of passage to see it as kind of uh, like you mentioned earlier jamie like uh you know walking through the fire right walking on the coals it we know that that's transformative right you go through the intensity in order to be reshaped and come out transformed so if you can see it that way, you can see that there's a purpose to the intensity of it all, right? Um, and that it's so beautiful that a, a mother would allow herself to go so deeply and feel so much for this baby, right? It's like the labor of love. <laughs> yeah, and like what you wouldn't do for that child that you've chosen to bring in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. There's a book called, oh, yikes, I, I'm going to have to double check the title. I think it's Reproductive Justice. I'll double check. But they, there's a series of stories in there written by the mothers themselves. And, oh, no, actually, different book. Birth Models That Work. Birth Models That Work. That's what it was. Um, and in it, a midwife is sharing the story of supporting um, a teen mom who her plan was absolutely to, you know, um, give this baby up for adoption. Um, I was like, great, that was the plan. So she goes through labor um, and births and, and births, you know, unmedicated, just does her thing. She goes through the fire. And afterwards, this midwife recounts, here's this young mom holding her baby and she goes, Actually, after all that, I, I actually feel like I can be a mother to this baby. And this young mom decides to keep her baby, you know, when before it seemed like no freaking way, like, I'm not ready for this, um, which fair enough. Um, and, and yet, at least for this mom, the journey, you know, helped her grow and transform and recognize that she's much more able and capable than she thought she was so so that's just uh, an example of how romanticizing birth and, and the intensities of it are valid you know there's a place for it for sure that's why it matters to invite people to embracing it all and also well, maybe before we get into why it can be problematic to romanticize, is there something else you want to say about it being a good thing and helpful and needed? Or, Well, I definitely always tell women to dare to dream what they would dream their birth to be, you know, because there is also a power in manifestation, but then also having to at the same time recognize that, you know, over many, many, many years of working with people and hearing the moms saying, you know, I just also have to recognize that I am one of two people on this journey and I have my dreams and my desires and, um, and I know the power of manifestation and yet this other being has some say in the matter as well. And so, you know, dare to dream and, and I say, like, you, you know, get as specific as what time of day and who is there and who's catching. And then also be totally willing to let go of that story 
about where that is or what time of day and let go of some of those specifics too, or write a, a dozen stories of what it could really look like, you know, and, and all these different beautiful manifestations. And then also recognize that they don't call it labor for nothing. Like it is hard work and it is the rare person that will have a pain-free labor. It is the, you know, there is, there is, work to do and especially when it's first babies and um you know and sometimes second babies are typically easier you know um and um but it doesn't mean that they're gonna be less uncomfortable or won't have their own extra little bit of spice to add <laughs> to, to the journey, you know, that, um, you know, I've been fortunate to work with people who've had multiple babies um, in my presence and how they say things like, well, you know, I've never birthed this baby. Um, so who knows what they're going to bring? <laughs> and those are some wise words to just be aware of. They hear this woman has walked this journey however many times and is still very humbled to the fact that like, um, you know, you, you also can recognize that you have a choice in how you frame those things, talking about the framing, you know, mm -hmm. that those, those surges, that power, that those waves, however you want to frame those things. Um, and then how recognizing that that's all your strength and that's your body. And even when you're tired, your body is still staying the course and bringing you this baby or, you know, you don't even have to think too much. And every day your baby grows within you and, <laughs> you know, have to like eat well and move your body and your body takes care of the rest. Right. This and is... so you, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So you can, and, and there's not a lot of like, control around that <laughs> no so yeah there's not um so yeah reframing is apparently a big part of this thing so like you were saying um the unknown factor in all this you know so often it's there's so much fear around well the unknown when will they become um, what's going inside of the womb that we can't see it's so dark in there it's such a mystery and there's so much unknown in pregnancy and so much is kind of out of our control in some regards um, like uh, that we're not totally used to or comfortable with in our modern times where we can schedule everything in and right plan out all the details of everything like here is something that modern life just I mean, we can try to control it, but with schedule C-sections or the ultrasounds to see what's going on inside or whatever. That Injections, makes which still. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> inductions. Yeah. Well, I mean, inductions thinking, oh, I want my baby to be born on this day. And it's like three days later. And uh -huh. <laughs> Right. Right. Also, right. Even when we try to control, yeah. it's like, oh, there's, eh, you, there's only so much you can really do. Um, so usually there's a lot of fear around the unknown and part of the reframing with the romanticization world as I see it or and experience it is embracing the unknown and the mystery and allowing yourself to get comfortable with the unknown and right and celebrating it actually as a part of the journey and yeah sure sometimes it'll still be totally freaking frustrating that you have no idea ah oh, when this baby's gonna come and you're like pushing 42 weeks or whatever like sure that's fine but but still to some extent allowing yourself to just be comfortable and embrace the fact that it's the mystery and that, that that's such an amazing magical part of this journey that it is the mystery that you get to surrender into something bigger than our schedules <laughs> or Google calendars or whatever. So, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I really am all for the romanticization of birth from an optimistic realist perspective. <laughs> well, and then when your birth doesn't go super romanticized, all calm with rose petals and you like, 
breathe your baby out instead of having to actively push or whatever, you know, to not have a lot of like disappointment around that, but like, you know, that it's, it's okay for your birth to be hard work. That's that realistic side of it that like, you know, some, some people's births are like that, but those, and then, but you know, most people have a certain threshold and, even if they have had a couple babies, it's not uncommon to hear the words, which are music to a midwife's ears, but I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. We know that you Or I understand why a woman wants an epidural. Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> and don't beat yourself up for that, for like recognizing that like, this is hard work. And it's also like, but there's a lot of beauty in that hard work. Yeah. And we see that like aura around that sweaty pushing mama who is working hard and gritting her teeth. We see that fuzzy background because yeah, it is. It's magical. Right? It's like, oh, she's pooping. We're like, yay, the baby must be close. And the other perspective would be like, girl, she's pooping. That's disgusting. I'm like, nah, reframe it. It's freaking amazing because you're pushing in the right place. Uh-huh. <laughs> that baby's head is right by your amazing butthole, and it's just making the poop have to get out of the way so the baby can come through. Yes, so. and your body is doing what it's supposed to do. And it's beautiful when the body just does work. And the so woman is vomiting and we're <laughs> waving peppermint oil in her face and holding her hair back and giving her cool cloths and like that you know like we're talking about it in a romantic way because it sometimes is the way it looks and it's like you know from a midwife's perspective you're like okay good probably hormone shifts or like those are some really wildly powerful contractions bringing this baby you know like Mm -hmm. so trying to sort of even that like us romanticizing what is happening because the bigger picture of it but not to deny the fact that that woman is working hard which is why we're also holding her hair back and wiping her cheeks and telling her she's amazing and yeah Yeah. I don't know where I heard this from I have no idea but I have this saying in my head that birth is beautiful but not glamorous so yeah, you know, in our romanticizing of it and saying it's beautiful and seeing it beautifully, well, it doesn't mean it might necessarily look all polished up, like, no, it's like sweaty and poopy and there's bad breaths and most of the time and all those things, but it's... And eyes rolling back in the head and like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lots of times sitting in front of women while they're sitting on the toilet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All that, and I guess that's like beauty's <laughs> in the eye of the beholder, one hundred percent. You you get to choose how you look at it, which is again me, like an, a proponent for romanticizing birth, uh, because you get to choose how you look at it and how you perceive it, and that's how you experience it. So, yes. so, and if you're terrified of giving birth you know, it's probably going to be a lot more painful. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's your expectation. And then the flip side of that is the negatives of the romanticism, because if you think it's not going to hurt and it does, you don't want that to knock your socks off or take the wind out of your sails. And so I've had people watch films and be like, but why didn't I have a birth like that? I wasn't, I felt like I, did all the work and read all the books and my birth felt a lot harder than that. And then, you know, having to help them work through like not feeling like they failed or that they didn't deserve to have an orgasmic birth or whatever. But that the reality is that those that's not at this point in time, that's not the norm. And even if you think you've unpacked a lot of stuff, it's still the societal buildup and the ancestral like residue of it being the worst pain in the world and it being you know life or death and it being all of these things and sometimes transformation is scary Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that's part of it too. Right. That yeah. there's so many pieces to it. You know, it's beautiful. It's hard. It's challenging. It's magnificent. It's epic. It's vulnerable. It's powerful. <laughs> it's so many things. It's everything. It's everything. <laughs> it's all of it. Yeah. So, so that can be the double-ended sword of romanticizing birth. It's not just yummy, cuddle, delicious love feeling the whole time. And for some, maybe not at any point in labor, actually. Yeah. But yeah, but it can, can be a piece of it, but it's so many things. A parallel is like, oh man, our society totally romanticizes relationships, right? What are all the movies about? Like, oh, the love mm-hmm. story, so cheesy, right? Mm-hmm. I think at this point, our society has figured out that romantic movies are not reality. I think most people have figured that piece out, yeah? <laughs> so we can watch those movies and... I mean, it's still problematic because if we're raised with those movies, they can kind of set up an expectation of that's what a, a life is, right? We we meet our our mystical soulmate at the coffee bar, and then and then we fall in love, and and then maybe we get in a fight, but then we have this epic uh, rekindling makeup sex. Makeup, and... oh, totally, <laughs> totally, yeah. Right, and then we get married and walk off into the sunset. <laughs> like, oh, right. yay, well. And then, and then skip to my YouTube video of my, like, super peaceful birth where I edited it. Oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And then, and then don't, don't, you know, and then parenting is totally, you know, I mean, all of it is challenging. And totally. that shouldn't deter you from going for it yeah. because there's so much, like, messy glory glorious amazingness on the other side of all of it or hand in hand you can't have the yin without the yang and Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely right so there's something everyone can relate to because I know we've all seen those cheesy movies and we just know that the cheesiness the cheesy romantic love in those movies is you know maybe maybe just small piece of the whole puzzle like yeah maybe there'll be cheesy moments in our lives that are like kind of picturesque potentially sure but there will also be the super messy ones and the like convoluted and and blow up disaster pieces and and they all fit together and have their place um so you know you don't want to be one-sided and i think that's where we end up in trouble sometimes so what you were starting to get into is expecting it to just be so easy if we just play the right music on Spotify. <laughs> um, oh, side note, kind of. I did want to mention that sometimes we see those videos of people like grieving out the babies or you hear the stories and it happens, but that still doesn't mean that was easy for that person. Sure, it depends on who you talk to, but just because someone breathed down their baby or just because they had a sh- super short labor, that doesn't necessarily mean that it was just easier, easier. for them. No. Yeah. That's I mean, 100% yeah. true. Right. Because I have been in situations where I've thought that like, wow, that was such a great, normal, straightforward, powerful, beautiful, amazing birth. And the woman feeling like it was way harder than she ever expected and that she doesn't know she's going to have any kids again. Yeah. You know, power and us being blown away by like, wow, that was so straightforward in the textbook and you yeah. know, eight hours and them on the other side being like, that was, and, and even that like seeming like from the outside as the, the, space holder of like they seemed to breathe they didn't seem like they were tensing up all the things right and then them mm-hmm. on the other side being like that was terrifying and i i i couldn't speak at the time but this is i'm processing exactly <laughs> right and then you have people who have the super hard ones where they really are like 
pooping and barfing and doing all the things. And then on the other side, they're like, that wasn't so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It happens. So we got to keep our assumptions in check. Like we don't know people's story, even though we watch their YouTube video, we don't know their internal experience unless they tell us. So, you know, there's a lot of assumptions that happen. Um, So we got to keep those in check. Uh, yeah, I remember when I first started doing this work, sorry, not yeah, to yeah, talk over ahead. you, no, but good. I remember when I first started doing this work, I was like, I'm going to write everyone's birth story. And then, um, and then I was like, no, I'm not. That's their story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I can write it for me, for my own, like, witnessing, like, log, but I'm not writing their birth story. I'm writing my outsider's view of their birth <laughs> right right because that's what you have because that's view. what I have is my view yeah so um, I thought it was going to be so like great and cute to, like because you know even women will say like I don't really remember it's kind of blurry for however many hours that was <laughs> mm-hmm. and me being like well I can tell you and then realizing that like can I can I tell you? I mean, I can tell you little hallmarks about like, oh yeah, when I was sitting in front of you on the toilet and rubbing your feet. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. But I don't know what your internal dialogue was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there's often more than meets the eye. Um, so we're inviting you into the, the depth and the layers uh, of it all, or at least to recognize that there's just so much more to it. Um, you know, I, I rem- so yeah, what are the challenges that can come up when birth just doesn't fit the romanticized vision? Because that happens. We see that. That's why we're here, because we're like, oh, we, we see an issue and we kind of want to help address it for people before this spirals into a bigger thing. Like, people need to stop hoping for the glittered polished Instagram version (laughs) like I love Instagram I'm I'm obsessed with it I get it it has a place but it also remember just like people's lives and the perfect marriage you think you see like a lot of it's polished and it's great and you can have manifestation that's what it's we're not saying don't do that manifest 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 but then be a realistic and you know speaking of those instagram pictures because like you'll you'll get your perfect instagram picture if you if you you know have someone taking the pictures even though you're not going to feel that way in the moment i totally had a mom the other day was like she made this funny uh like video thing of like what i thought i would look in labor and she had all these like goddessy photos and then she's like, what, I really looked in labor? And it's her with, like, the funniest pushing face and, like, five chins because her fat head's all bent. And blah. it was, like, a really funny-looking picture, right? Totally not necessarily the, like, oh, cool, super cute photo. Um, that's... <laughs> I know. She did, like, that's so funny. I know. She's got great humor. Uh, well, it reminds me of when Hazel was coming. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, and being like, oh, oh, my knees are weak. Oh, she's coming and, like, going and sitting on the toilet and then being like, hurry, put Chuck's pads on the bed. And then thinking that I looked like this, like, beautiful gazelle, like, getting onto the bed and the water breaking and her like <laughs> sliding out into my hands and what it probably really looked like was me like oh, 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 trying to like get the bed with my like belly and like flopping over <laughs> totally yeah but I love that I don't have pictures but I have my brain pictures yeah, you're great so I love yeah. I love and that she's got the real like she real got the real one she totally does it's really good I can probably repost it because it's meant to be a public thing um, <laughs> but then at the same time I remember times in her labor where like I didn't take pictures of it but in my brain pictures like she totally had her moments of just like the classic goddessy I mean she's a goddess the whole time but you know the right like 
Oh, the one you think that at. she thinks that she's getting that picture. <laughs> totally, totally. So like everyone has those moments and then there's also the non-moments and it's all great. It's all part of the bigger picture. So, so, yes. so yes, there's, I just had to address that because it's a love hate with the Instagram. And I know that plays a big role here in the romanticizing of it all. And, and sometimes um, maybe setting people up for false expectations um but so so yes what happens when it doesn't quite meet our romanticized visions well there's a lot to say about that I'll, I'll share a quick story that um always comes up with this topic is you know there was a mom she wanted a planned home birth and wanted to transport totally you know mom's always the captain of her ship so what she says goes so um great but but you know we are at home and often we're also there to kind of help remind people of like well why did this matter to you in the first place you know you wanted to be here so you know we can go to the hospital right now and also just just let's just have the conversation of you know to be clear like you're asking me you want to go are you sure you want to go you know um so we asked like why did you want to be at home in the first place and and she said well i figured if i was at home that i would be more comfortable and well labor's generally not comfortable and, and it got uncomfortable for her so so we went in and and she um you know she went for the experience that she realized that she actually wanted and and that was great that she figured out what she needed um but that just sparked this conversation in my mind of like, oh, you know, we say these things like, oh, you know, if you're at home, you then, you know, you're around your own, your home is where you're used to being and you're comfortable in that space. So you can be more comfortable there. However, that doesn't actually mean that you'll be comfortable. Like you're not in labor, like you're in labor. <laughs> so, so it's this tricky conversation of not making people think that, it's not going to be hard work just because you're in your comfortable space, right? Like labor will totally kick you out of your comfort zone. But that's why it can be helpful to be somewhere that you already generally feel safe, <laughs> such as home for, for many people. Um, yeah. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because we hear people say things like, um, laying on your back makes contractions feel way more painful, right? That's, that's commonly spoken of, at least in our circles. And it's true. So, you know, often in like the medical model, people are just like on their backs, on the beds, right? And, and having a really hard time. So we're like, well, get up and move around. And, and it usually feels a little better. However, just because you have freedom of movement, and able to move as you please doesn't mean it's all of a sudden gonna feel awesome per se, or that it's not gonna be intense or maybe even painful. It might totally still be those things, but possibly just less or different, right? Just because you have freedom to move or, um, or you know, you're not being- Control of, of your environment, who's around and how yeah. they interact with you. Yeah, yeah, those are just two things I see commonly, you know. Um, so, and then on the flip side of it, another story is, well, I don't know if our listeners know that we, you know, we come from a lineage of walking midwives, <laughs> like taking people in labor out on walks. Um, so, you know, that came up one day in a birth. And as usual, this person did not want to go out on walks. Like no one usually wants to go out on a walk when they're in labor, <laughs> but for reasons it can be Especially helpful. when they're like seven centimeters. Oh, that's the worst time in their head. <laughs> and and they've like, been up for hours. Yeah, right. We do it because we love Or like you. right before the sun comes up, we're like, okay, let's put on your pants. And they look at us like we're bonkers. <laughs> yes. Yes. However, so that was the experience. I was totally at this woman who was like, no way, no way, no way. And eventually we, you know, we get, we get going. And just after one contraction walking, she's like, oh, this feels way better. 
because she wasn't able to tense up anymore, right? When she was just standing, she would, could totally be in more control and it was easier for her to tense up. And when you tense up, generally, that makes the pain way worse. But when she was walking, she wasn't able to tense up as much and she kind of, the walking makes you have to be a little looser. So it felt better for her. And she's like, this is way better. So, so I'm just sharing the story to kind of um, address this concept that can be tricky of like, yes, it can feel better to walk, to move your hips, to squat, to move instead of tensing up um, or being just on your back just because the hospital said you have to because you have to have be on um, constant monitoring. Um, or like laying there like dreading that what's going to happen in five minutes and so getting so in your head about instead of enjoying your break in between being like oh shit there's another one that's gonna come yeah. <laughs> it was really hard for me to deal with that one yeah and so you know not just the walking but like shifting the environment and like feeling different sensations versus just laying there and feeling all that intensity of that one surge yeah. um, and it doesn't mean that it's gonna not be hard work though that's the thing yes this mom felt better walking and she was also still working super hard <laughs> through those contractions while she walked so right but gave herself that permission to do something else to help support herself totally. so yeah. so yeah i guess my my what do i call it um a word of caution perhaps for people navigating this reframing of birth and um making it more loving um yes do it and also please don't fall into the fallacy of thinking that it'll all just be a breeze if you if you walk and dance and squat and breathe right, whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, cause it, cause it's not. It'll it'll likely still be hard work. It'll just, you know, these are just tools to support you throughout the hard work. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's really important, you know, that um, it's good to watch a variety of videos, watch the ones where the women are moaning and watch the ones that don't look, you know, I mean, some people are like, Oh, I don't, I, I, uh, as soon as they start getting loud, like I won't watch that video or as soon as, you know, and, um, don't close yourself off to all the real possibilities because there's also many stories where I had a woman that, was going in and she was having she really wanted an unmedicated birth it was her second baby and then she ended up getting uh she was planning a hospital birth and she kind of ended up getting coerced into an induction over borderline low amniotic fluid and so of course the induction took time she went in a couple days before thanksgiving of course is when they wanted to mm. induce her a couple days before thanksgiving mm. um and then, you know, the night before she actually went into active labor, um, there was a woman down the hall screaming. And I was like, hmm, I wonder how this woman feels about that, right? Mm -hmm. this, is a, uh, this is a woman who clearly doesn't have an epidural. <laughs> and <laughs> she's she's screaming and I was sort of like kind of sitting and watching her facial expressions and she she said hey do you hear that and I yeah <laughs> I hear that and she said and her husband was sleeping and so she was kind of whispering so I came closer and she said you know last time I had my baby I felt like I had to just be quiet and do a really good job and and I, you hear that? I want to do that. I want to roar my baby out. And I was like, oh, okay. Like here, I thought she was going to be like, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> and, she, yeah. and instead she was like, you hear that? That sounds amazing. That's what I want to do. I want to roar my baby out. And I was like, girl, 
you do that. You scream as loud as you want when it's time, you know, don't feel like you have to be silent. And then as the night gathered and we started going into daytime, her labor built and built and she got to the point, it was Thanksgiving morning. (laughs) And her OB came in and was like, well, you know, it's kind of moving along. You know, he checked her and whatever. And, but she was, she was actually moving along and doing really great and moving around, being active, no epidural. Um, and I think just that little tickle of the cervix that he had done, man, things like just started ripping after that. And she had these like banging contractions and then um she's standing on the bed because she had to be continuously monitored and they didn't have Mm -hmm. telemonitors so she has the squat bar and she's like standing on the bed and marching and squatting with each contraction and yelling (laughs) and I was like yes this is what she wanted right so like so even that if you think you want to be a woman who like breathes that fire like that's fine. You don't have to be the good girl who's quiet and sits in the bed with her, you know, like mm-hmm. you can, you can dare to dream that too. And that was really great. We have these great pictures of her like screaming her baby out. And the doctor, when he came in, he was like, Oh my God. Face <laughs> <laughs> on, but he just, you know, he's quiet. He's a quiet doctor and he didn't say anything. He didn't tell her to quiet down. And he let her just squat and roar this baby out. And she was also in her mid forties, which was pretty amazing too, I think, because she was like just roaring into her power where before she felt like she was subdued and dismissed and she had to like just behave. And mm-hmm. this was her like, you know, I mean, and if anybody who's had Pitocin on board, you know, those are some serious waves that come. They're they're different than, than the natural waves your body's will, your body will produce. And so that was just so glorious. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty nice. And that was, yeah, that was her version of romanticizing. That is amazing. I love that story. <laughs> totally. So much of it. She's like totally embraced it. And, and that's the perfect kind of um, dichotomy, I think, of, of she could have totally like you thought she might be like be afraid of the screaming she was hearing next door that could have freaked her out right let the fear seep in or Uh instead recognize it for what it also is which is raw power yes yes like yes it's very humbling that's amazing (laughs) yeah it's like it's messy it's crazy it's unhinged and loud out of control <laughs> and she embraced it and love I mean right she worked hard I almost feel like her getting that whiff of that power down the hallway is what actually kicked her active labor even into gear to be perfectly honest because I think she was a little bit of like oh these pitocin contractions and like when is this gonna happen and I'm a little bit afraid because this isn't what I wanted to do I just I wanted to have an all-natural birth and then I think she just got a whiff of that power, man, and like let that labor come on like gangbusters. It was so amazing, cool. amazing. <laughs> I'm so grateful for this woman and her story. And I hope that the wisdom of that story just reaches so many people. And I hope because that just perfectly highlights what this whole podcast was about. That's totally it. Yes. You have the power to decide how you see things and thus how you experience them. Yes. Yes, which is, yeah, and I think that that's, yeah, that's like the exclamation point. Again, we get to good, like, sort of, like, finalization of, like, that's the point, right? That's it. That's totally it. Romanticism can look many different ways, and be open to that. Be open to that story, because it's really more about how you tell the story or how you allow yourself to sort of witness yourself. It sure is. Yeah. yeah, so many ways to look at it. Well, that's the perfect end point. <laughs> yes, we arrived to that's our end great. point. I love yeah. it. So, yeah, so of course, we always thank you guys for joining us, and we are always here for your stories. Reach out, email us, let us know. 
what's going on in your world and your thoughts and dreams. Tell us your manifestation story <laughs> and then how it got yeah. derailed because your baby had a different agenda. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would love to hear from people that want to share those stories, right? How does this relate to you? How did that play out for you? Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. I think it's so great. And these are our stories. They heal and they inspire and, um, and they're real and raw and that's mm -hmm. unfiltered. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unfiltered. That's why we're here for the unfiltered conversations. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Beautiful listeners or fiery friends. You can reach us at woman on fire podcast at gmail.com. And that's it. Thanks for tuning Stay in. Stay tuned for more. Oh, yeah. There will be more. <laughs>